0: Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 329th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Have you grown the perfect and scrumptious vegetable one year and wished every crop could be that successful? Well, it starts with recognizing which plants are working the best in your yard and saving those seeds. We can teach you how. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how you can save your own. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is putting fresh, healthy food within reach of your kitchen counter. We're talking with Ryan Agree about successful indoor gardening. Ryan is from a small town in Alberta, Canada, just north of Washington State. Along with his father, Brad, and sister, Tessa, he has spent the last two years developing a simple plug-and-play indoor garden that allows anyone to grow food at home, regardless of where they live. It requires no previous knowledge of growing food and can pay for itself in just a few months. During this journey, they developed a unique technology for hydroponics, which is currently patent pending. With the use of this technology, they then created an affordable and simple kit to provide you with everything you need to grow year-round, indoors, from the comfort of your own home. Welcome to the show today, Ryan. Are you ready to rock the indoor garden? I sure am, Greg cool. So I shared a bit about you, can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? For sure.
1: I just want to say thanks a lot for inviting me to your podcast, Greg. It's a real honor. Oh, you bet. So my name is Ryan Agree and I'm the founder of Hope Innovation. I've always kind of loved building and designing things and I had an act for it since I was pretty young when I was 13. I don't know if you've ever heard of Connects. They're kind of a connector rod building type of toy. Hmm. I entered in a competition when I was 13 and ended up actually winning in North America. So it's it's something I love to do. Uh And it's something I wanted to always continue to do. And as I got older, I, I was looking for jobs that offer... Something I know it's pretty vague, but just offer that, right? The ability to design and create and, and just make things that you can think of and couldn't find them. I thought it would be engineering. I talked to engineers at job fairs and uh-huh. it kind of turned me off. They didn't speak of the job as anything to do with that. So, you know, like anybody who just finishes school, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just kind of picked a safe, good paying job, but I never lost that fire to create.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think I think everybody gets good ideas it's just yeah. it's just a lot to act on them. That can be pretty difficult.
0: Oh yeah, it's a process to take an idea from, oh my gosh, this is a great idea. We could make millions on it. To actually go and doing it
1: exactly, and I think that's that's probably where most people reach that final hurdle. I was very fortunate. I actually had everything line up for me really well. My folks kind of spoil me rotten. They let me stay at home with no rent. Uh-huh. I have a really good paying job, so I managed to save up a lot of money. As weird as it sounds, it was good in my favor for this because I wasn't very happy at work. I wasn't very motivated. wasn't very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And I started to use a lot of my time at work. I drive around probably five hours a day and started listening to a lot of podcasts on successful people and oh, reading cool. audible books. I guess it just really gave me a lot more information about how people kind of build what they have and where they started from. Mm-hmm. And then I was fortunate enough to finally have a really good idea, and with all of those things combining, I had I had the time, I had some motivation, and I had the money. I got my my fantastic idea, and that's basically the Hope Innovation Garden, yeah.
0: Cool. So, what's your favorite podcast on business?
1: On business, probably Founder Podcast with Nathan Chan. He does fantastic podcasts with a lot of startups, kind of the big shakers.
0: Cool. Do You know uh, John Lee Dumas as well.
1: I. Don't recognize the name, but if 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 he's a podcaster, I probably listened to him at one point or another. Ah,
0: got it. Entrepreneur on fire. Okay. Yeah, he's he's actually in big part responsible for this podcast being in play because he he runs a Podcaster's Paradise school on how to do podcasts. I actually signed up for the school and we followed what he said, and that's how this particular podcast project came to be we just jumped in and did it you know what was the process like for you to go from oh my gosh i have this great idea to actually having one
1: it's a lot of just constantly pushing through you kind of find a place to start you research you work ahead till you find a problem and just kind of building from there i kind of got the idea of, of an automated farm playing a video game because i'm a bit of a nerd uh-huh. and just playing the game this this automated farm that i had underground it just it helped so much and then it kind of had that epiphany of hey why don't we have this in real life why don't we grow all our food in controlled environments year round and i talked to my dad about it. He got excited. So we started to, I guess, just adventure. And we, we kind of were drawn to hydroponics, right. which we knew nothing about. So we're like, well, we'll just go to a Walmart or Home Depot, find a kit and and start there, but they don't exist. right? Yeah. So we thought that was weird. So I guess the next step is to Google hydroponics and see where it takes you. And we ended up watching hours of YouTube <laughs> and blogs and read uh-huh. some books and, yep. and got a good understanding it then did a do-it-yourself system we found on youtube we we're pretty confident we had everything that we needed but we we're in for a surprise definitely our first one we we failed miserably No, well, that's a whole story in of itself
0: we'll go there in a little while
1: so out of that we we learned a bunch of things basically since we had no idea what we were doing we were a little bit better gauged to find out what a new person could handle oh right I think that was the edge that we had. If you knew a lot about hydroponics, you wouldn't understand what someone who knows nothing about hydroponics would be capable of doing. We kind of built the whole system with that kind of idea in mind. But I guess the journey that kind of went through it, we spent probably six months developing the technology. Mm -hmm. We thought it was pretty cool because there wasn't really anything like that, and it made a huge leap to remove transplanting which is a huge problem in the hydroponic community as far as i'm concerned it's just a lot of work uh-huh so once we developed a system that could work with that we worked through the patent process which was which was adventurous and and exciting but it's it's a lot of law talking <laughs> uh, yeah i'm glad we're out of it but i was glad we went through it
0: did you patent it in the u.s or in canada or both
1: both actually yeah just because well the u.s is is such a big happening place. It'd be crazy not to. Yeah. It's exciting. If if anybody does get an idea, I strongly suggest them to try and see if it's, it's something that they can patent. You get a lot of respect for inventors and stuff like that.
0: When you go through the process. Yeah.
1: That was about three months of with lawyers and a bunch of things, but definitely very exciting. So after that, we we knew we had a, a unique technology just when we went through the patent process. They check it against other inventions, and usually they find stuff close to yours, and they didn't find anything close to ours. Oh, wow. That's a really good sign.
0: Oh, no kidding.
1: Yeah. So we were very excited about that, but then we knew now we had to make a system because that's the only way we could keep it affordable is if we are the ones making the pieces. If you buy all your pieces from another vendor, yeah, it starts getting right. expensive. So first big lesson, if there's anybody in your audience that's looking to to design something that they want to build, or manufacture uh-huh. is, is designed to manufacture. Design your system with the intent that okay, I have to build this after I design it. So don't make it too complicated. Right. And talk to manufacturers while you're designing. We spent about six months and we built an incredible system. We had really cool knickknacks and we had like really neat features and little separators and all this really cool stuff. And then we take it to a manufacturer and we're like, Hey, how much would it cost to make molds for this? And they're like, we can't, it'd be about $2 million.
0: If oh, you really wanted to do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then we're right back to square one and we had to do it. Redesigned the whole thing. That was about another four months. Lost time and money, but uh, that's a lesson that definitely is is if you're going to do it, make sure that the people building it know what you're making so you don't have to chase your tail a bunch of times.
0: Sounds to me like it would have been a lot easier for you if you would have been in communication with those building it so that they could coach you into simplifying it.
1: A hundred percent,
0: yeah. Excellent. So we've been teasing people now for about 10 minutes about what your product is. Tell us about your product. <laughs>
1: so the product is basically we wanted a system that if you know nothing about gardening all you have to know is how to drop a seed in a cup mm-hmm. add some water and then the nutrients is, it's all pre measured you don't have to work hard on it and you can grow all your food without the use of chemicals without supporting say a gmo company because mm-hmm. you can choose whatever seeds you want and actually be able to knock off some money on your grocery bill so basically an indoor garden That's really simple to use, works really effectively, and is very affordable. And that's basically what we went into. Basically, kind of the first one that they have out there. But especially if we're going to make it, we're going to try and make it the best way we can. So that's it in a nutshell.
0: A small indoor hydroponic growing system with lights?
1: Yes, comes with lights.
0: So that that's super important, especially for those of you all up in Canada because of your limited growing season. Is that not the case?
1: Oh, 100%. That's probably why we probably focus more on that in up here was just that. I mean, winter started for us in October and we're probably expecting not to even start gardening till June even if you're not a gardener it's such such a long time to just not have greenery around you all the time
0: yeah well and i'm i'm quite sure that buying those kinds of things in the grocery store out of season is has got to be really expensive
1: yes it's incredibly expensive and if you want organic it it just gets crazy yeah it's as close as you're going to get to organic you can use organic nutrients it's basically that you're choosing all your own seeds The lighting is optimal, so it gives you just the perfect amount of lighting. You get your solid 16 hours of what would be just clear weather. You don't have to worry about hail. Hail is a huge problem down here, or just flooding, fires. It really gives you all that control to make sure your garden doesn't have any problems while it's growing, which is a big deal up here.
0: Beautiful. So I want one. Where do I get one?
1: So if you want one right now, we're in the process of trying to raise money to get those molds. So we, we definitely brought them down from the price of 2 million mm-hmm. but they're still it's still very expensive We could turn to investors but we really want to keep it a family ran bootstrapped company so we can keep the values that we have which is really to make something that betters people's lives and less kind of focus on how much we can get out of customers or how much more money you know how less do we have to pay people to get more profit that kind of thing we really want to keep it with that family mind. Mm-hmm. mindset i guess you'd say so kickstarter is going to start february 1st and go on till march 31st and if and when we raise our goal it's going full into production they say it would be about four months to make the molds and then we gave ourselves two months once we get the molds and everything assembled two months to assemble and then delivered by december 18th so if you go to kickstarter you can pre-order it for roughly about 150 dollars less than what's going to be retail oh perfect it'll work out to about $400 if you want the four kit with lights Canadian. So, I mean, if you're in the States, it's even better.
0: Wow. So that that's actually a great price for a product like this. I know my tower garden from Juice Plus was right around $600 and that didn't include lights.
1: Yeah. That's what we found a lot of systems. There are systems out there, but they don't often include lights, mm-hmm. or else they just start getting really, really expensive to the point where it's uh, it's not really practical to grow, you know, ten dollars of basil for a three thousand dollar system. Tower Garden's a pretty good system. Some of the other ones they're pretty expensive, and if you don't know how to do stuff with hydroponics, you don't know how to manage nutrients, manage your pH, know all the stuff that you do with hydroponic. You're destined to fail to begin with. So.
0: And that's how you make it so simple is you give us all the treats on how to do it. And all we have to do is show up and plant a seed, right?
1: Exactly. We kind of brag at about 15 minutes a month of maintenance. As simple easy as we can do.
0: Yeah, it's going to take you longer to harvest it and prepare it and eat it then.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Very cool. I, I'm a big, big proponent of growing your own food, obviously, but also, you know, making it simple. And when you bring these kind of systems indoors, you erase a lot of the challenges that we have, you know, growing our own food. Can you speak to that?
1: It's exactly like you say, you've got to give people the power to grow that food, like especially here in Canada, even though the weather, say in our case, it just doesn't permit it. And when you give them that power and you give them that that way to disconnect from, say, industrial farming, kind of like you're saying, it's huge. It puts those industrial farms kind of on the back foot. It gives the control back to the customer. It's all really, really good, I guess. I can't really
0: add too much more to it. Great. So how do you see Hope Eden Garden benefiting in the future what what's the future of this project for you so we really
1: really want to expand the capabilities of indoor garden technology we think there's a huge potential that's not being reached in indoor gardens i'm surprised that you just again you, you can't even find them in in walmart or home depot it's it's not even like there's one or two i would think there'd be tons of them out there but there's, mm-hmm. there's none so my ultimate goal is to try and create a nice completely automated modular organic indoor garden that grows year round make it super simple much like this one and then have it so everybody can have it if they want so you really give that power of people to choose how they get their food and it's not such a financial sacrifice like it is now Yeah, And then just to keep everything owned by the main family, right? Keep it 100% owned so we can get our profits from making a superb product and not just being cheap.
0: How many years have you been developing this project?
1: Been about two, two and a half years,
0: just about. Great. Was there a moment, an epiphany moment, something happened and it was like, yes, this is why I need to be doing this. Do you have one of those?
1: For me, I guess it was kind of a combination of I really wanted to do something with my life. I'm not a great philosopher. I'm not a great motivational speaker, but but I am innovative. I love inventing. Mm-hmm. I like tinkering with things. And and I really want to create something that betters people's lives. I find there's just a lot of fulfillment in that. Even yeah. even I, I haven't even really like successfully done this. It's just put me in a great mood. It's it really makes a person feel just Yeah. Fulfilled when you're when you're doing things with the intention of of making people's lives better. And that's that's probably where the not so much an epiphany, but that's definitely where that that idea what keeps the fire burning, I guess you could say.
0: I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it.
1: Probably the failure that stands out the most would be our first time doing hydroponics, where basically the failures that we went through really, really helped us see what needed to be done. We did tons of research. We felt we were really ready. But, I mean, we started, we were using well water, which has really high pH. Right. And in the hydroponic world, that's a really bad thing. We did learn that eventually, and we used some pH down, but we used the wrong stuff, and we killed all our plants. Like, it's a little bit unforgiving if if it's territory you're not new to. We Mm -hmm. use way too... Small of a light, we didn't use the right things in terms of the right media. Yeah, just just tons and tons of mistakes. But it was less about the failure and more about how do we stop other people from having this problem. And when we went through with more of that attitude, and I guess that would be the biggest thing we learned from the failure is less about why did I screw up and more about okay, now now that I did screw up, what can I do to stop others from screwing yeah. up? I guess that is the same as why did I screw up? But yeah. Less, less focusing on woe is me and more on, okay, what do we do now kind of thing.
0: Right. Well, and, and it sounds to me that you're like you're putting systems in place to lessen problems for those of us out there that are working with your systems as we're moving forward. So I won't have as many problems that way.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, with the with the patented cup, a lot of it just came down to we knew what we had to do because everything, you know, we had I don't know if you ever did try transplanting. It's it's just horrible. It's like surgery with plants that are the roots are the size of human hairs and mm. you rip them out. We we probably killed half our plants and and we're it took us 2 hours. Everything's covered in mud. You're trying to wash off the water and it's yeah, just horrible. So uh. we knew we needed something for that and that's that was probably the biggest thing we realized. And that's really what pushed us forward to be like, okay, if we could do this, I think we could have something here.
0: So when you talk about transplanting, it, what I heard you just say is that the plant starts in soil and then rinsing the soil off the roots, which I've done before, and plant that in your hydroponic system. Is that the route you were taking?
1: Yes. And they've, they've kind of improved a bit lately. All of the YouTube videos, all of the tutorials that we went through, it was the same thing. You'd get the compressed peat moss puck you yep. put it in water yep expand you put your seed in you get it to a sproutling make sure the sproutlings long enough that you can get the root into the water and the leaf can come out of your media so it can get light and it all looks nice and easy but yeah when you try and do it it's yeah. it's i don't it was horrible right. and it's it's stressful for you it's stressful for the plant and we just found it was ridiculous we almost gave up halfway because
0: we're, cause we're killing
1: plants and yeah
0: so and rock wool doesn't work
1: that's actually what we ended up using. There's a few that we've kind of worked with, but Rockwell was the one that we ended up using for for our patented process. There's a couple other things in the cup, but that's a huge part because it has a beautiful wicking property. Right. It allows you to drop that water without having to be submerged. And then a few other things so that it doesn't yeah, it doesn't get the bacterial and fungal outbreaks is bad. Mm-hmm. And then the cup's designed more in a way to keep that seed dark so that it can grow up.
0: Ah, oh very good.
1: Yeah. I'm really not revealing any secrets because once it's patented, everybody can see it, but that's, that's the basic idea. Yes, exactly.
0: You know, I, one thing I failed to ask earlier on was if I was standing back looking at this system of yours, can you give our our listeners a mental picture of what we're looking at, how big it is and, you know, what's included?
1: Okay. We really wanted to have an attractive design, not something you had to hide in your basement. So it's almost like a pie symbol if, if you've done math mm-hmm. or kind of like a, a little bit of two C's coming up with a little top part and your light hangs on there. It gives it kind of a nice... Real slick, futuristic sort of look. Uh-huh. You'll have four trays that are all about six inches off the ground. Each tray holds six plants. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. Those
1: trays come up to a reservoir. In our website, it's likely the reservoir design is going to change, but the reservoir's filled up with water. It has a pump in it. It pumps to those four trays, and that's what keeps your system running. They call it NFT, the nutrients film technique. Mm-hmm. Works really, really well for Nice the
0: stuff that we've been trying to grow, yeah. Stands about three feet tall?
1: Stands about three feet tall, about four
0: feet long. Hmm, perfect. Roughly the size of a coffee table, we say. Oh, perfect. All right, cool. Well, thanks for that. I, I realized I hadn't asked that. So moving on, what do you consider your biggest success?
1: I would say especially because I don't have a family or anything yet. I imagine that'll probably be the case when it happens. But for this, it would be the ability to take something from an idea, literally on a napkin Mm -hmm. that you're talking back and forth on, and then have a finished product, tangible product that you're selling to someone and to be able to, to make it through that, it's very fulfilling. It gives yeah. you a lot of confidence to see where you came from and where you are now. I imagine your first episode podcasting versus looking back now and just oh yes, it is. It makes you feel good. You're like, you know what? I I was able to do this. I yeah. I can go through other things. And I in the past I've had a lot of problems with giving up early, just not seeing it through to the end. So mm-hmm. it, it, it is. It's almost like boot camp, right? Yeah. You see, you see how hard it is and you make it through it. And then when you come up to something that's also hard, you're like, well, I've done harder. I can do this.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I subscribe to the never give up. You know, I've been doing food related stuff for over 40 years and I just, this is what I have to be doing. I just have to do it.
1: I keep using the word fulfilling because I just don't know how else to put it, but it, mm-hmm. it is extremely fulfilling when you get to that position where it's, I'm doing something I really like to do and I'm doing good at it and I could see myself getting better through time. It's yeah. it's just a real nice feeling.
0: Cool. So what drives you?
1: I really want to make a difference. It's kind of, I guess, cliche for mo- millennials, but that's, that's what it boils down to. Like I've been blessed with amazing opportunities. I have an amazing family. hmm I'm in a great time in history. I'm in a great country, and I only get one life, and I really want to not waste it. I really want to do something that makes a difference, makes a positive impact in the world, and I want to. Try and see things and just not waste this this gift I have.
0: Epic. I love that. Perfect. Thank you. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why?
1: I would say probably the book that changed me the most was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Oh, yes. It's a fantastic book. And it's it's a great book to get you into the right habits when it comes to thinking just kind of generally how to approach situations, how to interact with people in ways that successful people do. And and you start to get into these habits and it just starts to become naturally. So one of the habits probably stuck out the most to me would be the idea of proactive versus reactive thinking. Hmm. Yeah. So an effective person, they're, they're the proactive thinkers and they focus on things they can control and things that they can deal with. A, a reactive thinker usually sees themselves as victim. They see themselves in, in a situation where there's nothing they can do. They don't look for solutions. They focus on the past and they say it's a poor use of your time because you, you can't do anything. You're only hurting yourself. You got to look for things that you can improve. You've got to look for ways that you can beat the problems
0: come in the future. And
1: yeah, it, it's a really good Good mindset to be in it, yeah, and just focusing on things that you can control versus things that are outside of your control.
0: I I like to call this my "what if" moments. Janice, who you know helps me run the podcast and really everything else in this company, she calls my Thursdays "what if Thursdays" because I come up with a lot of, "Oh my gosh, what if we did this?" (laughs) Yeah, so. That's the fun time, you know, that's, that's where we're having the fun is when we're creating new stuff.
1: I completely agree. It's, it's tough though. You probably ran into the same thing. I find when you are getting into that mindset, it's so tough to not go on tangents everywhere. You're like, oh, this is a great idea I'm Mm -hmm. doing, but I really want to try this out now.
0: Stay focused. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's been definitely a lesson I've had to learn.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, there you go. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
1: Probably in the theme of, of most of this podcast would be don't be afraid to fail. And if you have an idea or something you want to try, do it because it's very fulfilling. You know, you'll be very surprised what you're able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I think people, they're scared to fail and they never get to see the potential of what they can do. I mean, I, I struggle with it every day, but that fear of failure is really what keeps people from reaching their their yeah. true potential.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I have to call it out. The reason I ask the question, talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. It's not about the failure. It's about this is how we learn and you have to keep moving forward. I
1: completely agree. Yeah. And look at failure as, as what do they call it? A temporary defeat and not a permanent thing, right? It's like, okay, yeah, that that sucks. I mean, I wasted six months and got nothing out of it. Right. But now maybe someone in the audience is, is not going to make that same mistake. And I will make that same mistake. And we all learn from it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Learn from it and move forward. And don't ever give up. That's that's the what I live by.
1: Yes, 100%.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Ryan.
1: Thanks so much for having me there, Greg. It was a real honor. Really appreciate your time.
0: So how can our listeners get a hold of you? And especially, how can they contribute to your project you've got a quick starter starting here real soon
1: yeah so probably the best way to get a hold of us right now is to go on our website at www.hopeinnovation.ca on there if you go to the eden tag and go to kickstarter we'll have a link that takes you right to our Kickstarter. And then if you haven't worked with Kickstarter before, it's pretty easy to figure out. If you pre-buy it now, that's the best time. We have large saving on what we're planning on to do on, for our retail. Mm-hmm. Anything else, it's all on that website. We also have a Facebook page at Hope Innovations with an S at the end. It's one of those frustrations of trying to get domains. And oh, yes. That, that S on the name you can't yeah. get. So it's like, ah, oh, wow. Well. So Facebook and, and our website is definitely the best place to get a hold of us. And you can even just shoot me an email at ryan.agri A-G-R-E-Y at hopeinnovation.ca.
0: Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Eden Garden. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Have you grown the perfect and scrumptious vegetable one year and wished every crop could be that successful? Well, it starts with recognizing which plants are working the best in your yard and saving those seeds. We can teach you how. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how you can save your own.